From the Balboa Island Clubhouse in Newport Beach, California, and on location, this is Living the Dream Balboa Island, where we showcase extraordinary people, businesses, and regional history that influence the beauty and civility of our world-class coastal community, hosted by yours truly, Tom Dior. Today, we're, uh, we're really honored and excited, definitely excited, to be joined by Chris Brigandi, owner and founder of Arbor Real Estate Professionals. Feel free to check out their website at arborrealestate.com. Again, that's arborrealestate.com. Chris, we're here. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for here. inviting me to your... Uh, the to little your, shanty. The little shanty. The little shanty. The little shanty on Marine Avenue. Yep. You know, Chris... We start our show off with a quote or a mantra or, or a prayer of something, uh, maybe something someone said, something that uh, personally or professionally it still resonates with you. It doesn't have to happen all the time, but anything that resonates with you and how you kind of view your life a little bit. Well, I would, I would take a little different direction since we're kind of talking about uh, a little bit about our company and our community. And uh, we have a saying at our office that says that when you hire an expert, you will get expert results. So we, as our brand, talking real estate brand, we try to align with experts and give expert service to um, the community. And that translates to more than just working in real estate. It translates to all parts of your life of how focused and committed and driven are you to accomplish something. And by doing that in such level of expertise, you will get expert results. On those expert results. Also, I noticed um, for our audience who don't know you, there's definitely a, a personable side to you, not just a professional side to you. Very that much you, so. That you, uh, it doesn't seem to blur the line much that way. And, and, and to me, I think that creates a real sense of honesty. What's your thought? Maybe I'm reaching. Well, uh, we're all just individuals who do a business that we've chosen. I've chosen been in, I got my real estate license in 1988. I probably kind of was toes in the water for the first year or so, about 1989. I really kind of started going. And by 1990, um, kind of going full time at it. So that's been 32, 33 years now, long time. Seen a lot of changes in the community. See a lot of changes within our business format. And um, we strive to continue to push for the connectivity of our community that uh, you can't find a better place to live. That connectivity of the community, how and why does that matter so much to you? Well, you know, I'm a father of five and three grandkids now. And we all want to pass on what we cherished in our youth. And so by, by aligning with, like we're aligned with the Rob Machado Foundation. And the Rob Machado's Foundation's number one goal is to eliminate single-use plastics. And there's such a, a, a gigantic um, expansion of water bottles in the schools and along with any sporting event. So when I was a kid, we never had a water bottle. We had a hose or 
You, you, we'd, we, fountain. we didn't really yeah. drink water. <laughs> At least I didn't. And I remember playing football. That was kind of, they'd sweat you out and waters was for bleep, bleep, bleep. You, oh, know? Yes. you don't drink water when you're playing football. So, but we recognize that water's good, but we just recognize there's a lot better ways to consume it than put it in a plastic bottle. So that's part of one of the things that we're trying to create is we put water stations even along the boardwalk on the ocean front. So when the mom is with the kid and the kid's thirsty. They don't go buy a bottle of water. They can fill up a canteen. We have one at the Wedge. We have one at 68th Street, and we have one at 15th Street, right on the ocean front, a water station. How'd that, how did that come about where you've got such an interest? Well, I'm, a good, pal, I'm good pals with Rob and have been. Been on a whole bunch of surf trips with him. And it was something that he was doing down where he lives in Encinitas area. And he didn't really have any traction up here, but it's just another coastal town that's on the beach that no one wants to see trash on the beach and water bottles on the beach and that thing. So it was just a natural, uh, you know, migration of, hey, Rob, let's let us fundraise. So we just fundraise for Rob and then Rob and his charity. They, you know, we then we set up organizations within the cities to go to the schools, get the proper permitting, which is always you know, kind of wrestling the alligator to get us a permit to put a water station on the campus. Really? Well, we found out what was strange was that the school districts were selling water bottles on campus in like a vending machine, and they were getting like two fifty a bottle. And they were then, that was the profit. So they didn't want to give up on that profit of the water bottle sale. But through civil discussions, we've said this is just better for everybody. And you can still keep the vending machine if some kid wants to go buy the water bottle. But we've also then delivered to like Newport Harbor. We gave every kid a reusable canteen. So you don't need to bring a water bottle anymore. So you've got that involved. So obviously you're a real estate firm and agency with professionals, but you're really looking up. Uh, the community really matters to you. Everything. Yeah. Like we have another uh, community thing that we have. It's called Stoke a Student. Okay. And we go to Surfside Sports up on 17th Street with Duke. He owns the spot. He's a great dude. We have a surfboard and we get a brand new surfboard and we put it in the shop and we say, just sign up, put your name, give us what grade you're at. Each month we'll pull out a name. If we pull out your name and you just verify that you're maintaining a B average in school, we're going to give you a brand new surfboard. So the kids are stoked. We also do it in the wintertime. We'll do it with snowboards. And you want to talk about making the community engaged? That's engagement. And you want to ask us about, like, is any parent bummed out that you're encouraging your kid to get good grades and rewarding them for it? No. So it's, it's an easy way to win, and it's an easy way for us to stay connected to. We're in a coastal community. A lot of kids like the water. That's why families moved here. And what inspired you to do that? I don't really know. Hey, just, it seems um, like you just you go around and you see some place or something that you can be improved upon, and you jump in. All uh, you jump in. Uh, you know, we were just thinking about different ways to be relevant to the community that that is not mailing a bunch of flyers to just get thrown away. You know, this way you make a real give some parent give their kid a new surfboard for them maintaining good grades, that's a, it's an impactful thing. Like, wow, that's, that's different than you just mailing me something on Tuesday that I throw away on Wednesday. So we just look for different creative 
options. I, you know, we, we originally started doing it with Hurley and was doing it with Bob and Bob was shaping boards and we were giving away his boards. And now we've expanded that. And then we started buying boards from local shapers and supporting their business and then giving them away. So it's been, it's been fun. Did you foresee any of this when you started in, in 1988? How, how far reaching you uh no, per- you know, personally I was, and I was, I was kind of a, a failed musician at that time. Okay. I'd been kind of in the music world and just made a conscious decision to like turn the car, like knowing that, well, uh, is being a musician really the life I want for my wife and my family and my kids? You know, you usually end up working at Guitar Center or selling shoes at Nordstrom's. It's usually the tale of most musicians. So I just turned the corner and I never went to school. So I realized I could probably sell cars on the Kia car lot or get into real estate. And so I did. And I just have always had an entrepreneurial spirit. There you go. And so you started in 88. How was it, say, your first couple of years? Uh, You know, not knowing anything other, there wasn't, the internet, there wasn't cell phones. The only way you would meet people was to uh, go to open houses and you would meet the neighbors and you would meet potential clients. But more importantly, you would meet a lot of people that you knew because at the time my kids were in school, my kids were at Newport Al on the beach. And, you know, I was always involved in the schools. I always coached sports so that they would recognize me on a non-real estate uh, introduction first, which is the best way to meet somebody to earn your trust is to meet them in a non-work related situation. So I really promote that to my agents, like be relevant in your community that has nothing to do with real estate. Be a part of the PTA, coach a sports team, go volunteer at the you know library, just be involved, be involved with your church if that's something that you want to do, but let people know you're authenticity before you come at them with your commission breath. Ah, bye, bye, self. Like steer away from that. Let them know you. Like I, I've coached so many sports for my kids, especially my son, football, basketball, baseball. I've met so many families just from that. And they don't know me as the real estate guy. They just know me as a coach. And most importantly, recognizing that they're just little kids. You know, I'm, I'm not going to turn their kid into an NFL player. He's either going to be or he's yeah. not. It's not going to be based on what I gave him. But just that we're trying to encourage the kids to have fun with one another, meet new friends. And the, the, the sense of playing sports as a youth for a lot of kids is pretty fun. Along with the surfing world, we've done all that stuff too. A segue into uh, sports and how as it relates to business. What's your thought on that? This is... Well, I guess I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. If you play sports, what's the, the oh, likelihood well, yeah, yeah, yeah. how it there's transfers a, into business? There's a great sense of, you know, the 10,000 hours of training to become an expert at something, okay. right? It's kind of like how I feel about real estate. You need to put 10,000 hours of being a real estate person before you can become an expert at it. But sadly, this is a grumpy old me coming out. Sadly, too many younger people in our industry think if they have an Instagram feed and they can take a picture of them holding a cup of coffee, say they're grinding it out. It doesn't really mean they're an expert yet. Like you need to do lots and lots of transactions. You need to be around lots and lots of transactions to really be an expert. Like I always ask people, if you're going to have an open heart surgery, do you want the guy who's doing the first one on you or the guy who's doing his 10,000s on you? 
right? So, and you never know that you need a good real estate agent until something goes wrong. So most of the time, if a real estate deal is okay, it's okay, and you don't have to be that good at it. But when the issues come up, that's when the expertise matters. So we try to align ourselves with when you hire an expert, you get expert results. Yeah, that social media factor is where they can actually be a facade as to their level of expertise. What's your thought on that? You just your opinion? Yeah, I, you know on how I, that works. I, or I, doesn't. I, I preach that there is some traction that they get on social media. There's some traction because of they see the the TV shows that show some real estate sales, which is all totally fake. It's a those aren't real deals. They most of those transactions. I saw somebody do a list on them, and they showed one agent, and they showed 27 transactions, and he wasn't a part of any of them. But they just hire people to come in and walk through the houses and act like they're going to buy it. But it's really a fake thing. But it's good TV watching. You get to see a beautiful home. And But that's not how our industry works. You don't call the guy with an offer in two minutes and the guy picks up and you, <laughs> you two talk on the phone and make a deal for a $20 million home. That's not, that's not how it works. You know, there's a level of... You're going to go back and forth. You're going to have an attorney review some documents. You might have a CPA look at how you want to vest a property. It doesn't happen on two phone calls with two people in a 15-minute timeline. But it's, it fits in a nice hour TV show. Great knowledge. Yeah. Great knowledge. This is Living the Dream Balboa Island podcast. We're talking today with Chris Brigandi, owner and founder of Arbor Real Estate Professionals. You can check out their website at Arbor Real Estate. Dot com. That's arborrealestate.com. That uh, no like trust factor. How is it different if it's different from when you started in 88? Explain more what you mean by that. The no, it's sort of an industry standard. You People need to know you, like you, trust yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah. important is it if, if it's important now as it was when you started? Well, I'm either a dying breed that feels it's of the utmost importance or it's going to circulate back to being more important as the market changes. You know, you don't build your reputation in one year or two years. You build your reputation over 10 years, I think, to start off. That like, and your reputation is when you're walking down the ocean front and you see somebody that you sold a home to seven years ago, do you like hide your head and, oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't see me? Or do you high five the guy? Our goal is to be able to high five all of our customers and like they're still excited that we did a good job for them because you know why when you hire an expert, you get expert results. So we, it's a long time, like building a business of a financial planner or an attorney or even a doctor of some type, those, those reputations don't happen in one year or two years. And, and the irony is you never see a great attorney grinding out his thing on social media they're a great attorney you know, what what attorneys do you follow on instagram none they haven't kind of derated that um profession to make it seem like because they get hired from their results and their referrals and their level of expertise so this is a grumpy old guy talking about kind of social media is kind of fake for our industry and i think a lot of it is just a lot of the other real estate agents looking at each other rather than really connecting with the community when rather than making a post of you sitting at Starbucks, how about going committing to spend time coaching a kid on the baseball field and meeting people that you don't know on that level of not commission breath sales guy. That's just my perspective of it. 
and I've sold a lot of homes and having owned two brokerages now, I've overseen billions of transactions, billions of dollars. Last year, we did a billion. Year before that, we did a billion. My company before that, we had 350 agents. I had a company called Strata Properties. So I've been around a lot of transactions. Um, the good people will do good, clean business. And the people who don't usually find a way to slide out of the business when the market gets tough. I'm going to ask you about legacy and what it means to you. Uh, well, for me, you know, non-real estate at all, my history is my great-grandmother bought a house at A Street and Balboa on the oceanfront in 1946, I believe, because um, my mom had asthma. So they moved down to the beach so my mom could clean, breathe clean air, and my mom went to Newport Elementary School in the 40s, where all of my five kids have gone to. So the legacy of myself and our family still living down here is like we're trying to keep how could i say like the spirit of what a lot of us knew when we were younger around here that we're not hoping it to be turned into mega mansion people who never go to the water who never swim who never take a part of why they're here like i remember when i was a kid when we used to live in balboa i used to take my boogie board because we used to live right on the beach, right across the street from the pavilion. Like you walk down A Street, it goes right to the pavilion. We'd walk down to the pavilion with our boogie boards. We'd jump in the water. We'd paddle across on our boogie boards to Balboa Island. We'd go get a Balboa bar at, at Dad's. Paddle <laughs> back on a, you know, that's what we paddle across the bay at nine at night. Um, and our parents didn't think twice about that. Like, that was cool. Like, you know, they well, just don't get hit by a boat, which we didn't. Um, so, uh, you know, we want more of that stuff. Like, we used to go fishing all the time in the bay. Like, more people just, that's why we're here. It's because we have a love of the ocean and we have a love of outdoors and nature. Like, that's the legacy that we're trying to promote for my through our business, promoting the community and through my, just my family life and my kids and all of my, all of my kids surf and they swim and they do their thing because they love it too. So I feel like I've perpetuated that legacy. Now I'm teaching my grandkid how to surf. I'm going to push him into waves next summer. Yeah. Let, let, how's that going? I mean, I'd love to hear that. Oh, it's how old uh, is he or she? Oh, well, I have a seven year old grandson. I have a five year old grandson and a four year old granddaughter. <sighs> it's the best. And I, I coach my grandson in baseball. So it's just the best. I mean, my daughter lives five minutes away from us. And she's always at our house with the kids. And my wife couldn't be happier. It's a great thing. <laughs> just, it, we have a big integrated family. Is that something you've always wanted in your life? If you look, go back as far as you can. Um, I, I never really thought about it, you yeah. know, at the time. I, I just have been so passionately in love with my wife and I love our family so much. And she, she came a family of six. I think she felt a little um, underachieving only having five, <laughs> but um, so for us, it was just a natural progression. Like I always tell people who have one kid and have another kid. And I go, how much do you love those two kids? I would do anything for them. And I go, well, when you have another one, you just got to have that feeling again. Like it's, there's never, too many kids that you lose having that love for your kids. It's a great thing. Yeah. So, but uh, if five's, five's enough for us, uh, you know, my youngest is 21, still just currently a sophomore in college. 
playing football and seeing where that takes him. And how'd the football get into it? You played, obviously. Yeah, you know, he was just always real psycho. <laughs> he loves it. He loves running into people. He played all sports, but he's built like a football player. My father-in-law played at Notre Dame, big barrel-chested linebacker. My son's a big, strong kid who likes to run into people. He also loves surfing. He loves fishing. He loves outdoors, everything. But he played all sports, but his, that was probably his most suited sport was, was football. Yeah, that connection, especially – you say football. It's a very it's it's a contact sport. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a collision sport. Yes, high collision. Another segue into into life into business because life and business is a contact sport, and oftentimes the people who are not afraid to connect or contact. Obviously, you don't run into people on the street, but yeah. you still connect with them. Carries over. Do you think so? Oh, for sure. Like okay. you know, nothing nothing happens unless you go out and. Make it, you know, go make the contact, go push on it. Like when we started the brand, you know, I have some wonderful partners with me within the brand of Arbor who I've worked with for a long time. We've all had to like make that push to like, no, we're going to do this. We're going to go, we're going to talk to that person and have a confrontational talk and try to get them to come work with us. And it might not work out. And it's sometimes an uncomfortable conversation being told no, but that's that contact that you're talking about. The confrontation of... We're going to go and keep going and keep going and keep going. So it's uh, exactly to your point. It, it is a contact sport, running a business. Do you think you are born with that or can you instill it in someone? I think I was probably born with that. Okay. I've always been a little ready to go. <laughs> ready to go. Yeah, my, son's, my son is that way too. I'll tell you a quick story. When he was about six and he was playing t-ball and he caught a ground ball and that's when boys and girls were playing together at that age. And there was a girl running from third to home and he was on third base, but rather than just throw the ball to the catcher, he thought it would be a better idea to run up behind the girl as she's running, (laughs) push the ball in her back and just drive her to the dirt. (laughs) He made the out (laughs) sure, and then had to be coached up on that. And next time just throw it to your buddy and let the catcher (laughs) tag her out and but he's always been like, he's ready to go too. Yeah. But maybe you got that from me or my mom, my mom, my wife is super competitive in sports too. Like really competitive. Well, tell tell us in your audience today, uh, a memory of yours, even as a kid that you can kind of connect with what you're talking about that may have occurred when you're five to 10 or 12 years old, whether it's a play a Game. Like in competitive yeah, nature? absolutely. Within well, a game or within a practice. Something that was really a poignant moment that you can really recall right now, as, as clear as you can right now. Well, probably a, a more clear one would be um, <laughs> when I was 12, they, had, they first started making boogie boards, okay. if you can believe that. And they had a boogie board contest at Blackie's. And I was 12 and I went into the boogie board contest. And at the time, they didn't really have rules about like who had priority in the boogie board thing. So I was just like taking off on everybody and taking a whole bunch of waves just because I figured I would win because I'd catch the most waves. And when I got out of the water, people were like, dude, you just like cut off everybody. I'm like, I don't, you know, I just, I'm going like I was it. And I don't know, it's just, just wired into me, I guess. So you just went for it without... Waiting for anybody to give directions. No, or- and I just didn't care what anybody else was doing or going. I was just going too. 
that obviously still serves you well. Yeah, a little bit. I've had to tone it down a little bit. Yeah. Like how, <laughs> how so? Really? Well, you know, I, you know, I have a hundred agents that work for us. You know, I can't be ah going crazy and like kind of maybe stepping on some of their customers and interacting and stealing a customer from one of my client from one of our agents. You know, I have to be a little more perspective of like these guys are all. I'm here to help them with their business, not overtake their business. This is a great show. You're listening to Living the Dream Bubble Island podcast. We're talking today with Chris Brigandi, owner and founder of Arbor real estate professionals our uh, public service announcements we have two we have two of them today the first one we uh, chris talked to talked about is the uh, rob machado foundation you can find information about them at rod rob machado foundation.org and i'll b- read you a, a brief about us the rob machado foundation was founded upon the fundamental belief that our planet needs to be taken care of and there's no better place to start than with our local communities and our children What started out in the early years as an introduction of gardening programs at local schools, encouraging children to connect with the land they live on and the food they eat, has evolved into a water-filling station program across a growing network of schools and public places that encourage reusables over single-use plastic water bottles. Again, that's robmachadofoundation.org for more information. And our second is the John Wayne Cancer Foundation. The... um, read you a brief history as John Wayne beat lung cancer in 1964. He died 15 years later after a struggle with cancer of the stomach. During this difficult period, he became passionate about helping others fight this terrible disease. To honor his memory, his family created the John Wayne Cancer Foundation in 1985. The mission of the John Wayne Cancer Foundation is to lead the fight against cancer with courage, strength, and grit. For more information, feel free to visit the johnwayne.org. Again, that's johnwayne.org. Chris, I'm going to touch on a, a very word in here and what's your thought on it? Grit. Grit. Wow. That's four letters that really defines what I hope my kids have, what I hope I have, and uh, what I hope my firm embraces. The grit of you know, what is it the saying about you can hit a rock 10,000 times mm-hmm. and nothing happens. And 10,001, there's just been just enough pressure that the rock breaks. That's grit. That's just what we do. We want to have grit to our community of perpetually trying to improve where we live, trying to promote these uh, foundations that we feel are better for the community and try to be a part of supporting other Like we're also a huge supporter of the junior lifeguard program and the Ben Carlson foundation. I don't know if you know anything about Ben Carlson, a very storied lifeguard who gave his life saving people about eight years ago at Newport pier when it was about a 20 foot day and he passed away saving three people. I mean, the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate, thing you can do as as the lifeguard would do his brother-in-law works with us his brother-in-law actually did the sculpture i would tell everybody to go to the base of the newport pier and go look at the sculpture that's put up of ben carlson so there's a ben carlson foundation that offers scholarships to kids ten thousand dollars per kid i think 
And there, that's also tied into the Junior Lifeguard Program. We just did a big fundraiser for the Junior Lifeguard. They're going to build a new building down at the Balboa Pier. Because right now, they just do like a roll-on trailer for the uh, Junior Lifeguard Program. All my kids did Junior Lifeguard Program. It's the best program in the country. But they have to like go to the public restrooms with oh. Hobo Joe and whoever oh. else is in the, you know. So they're building a permanent building. I think it's a $7 million fundraise to build a real permanent structure with proper bathrooms. We'll be supplied with a couple Rob Machado Water Foundation uh, drinking systems there as well. And so we were part of that fundraising event too. I think the event we did raise about $500,000 for the building of the new um lifeguard building at the base of the Balboa Pier. Jake Jans was really instrumental in that with our group, his brother-in-law being Ben Carlson. So he, he, you know, he's very vested in it, but we love being a part of all of that stuff. That's to me, that's what it is around here. It's the 10 year old kid doing the monster mile where he runs a mile and then he's got to swim back a mile. And it's a huge ending of the event for the junior lifeguard program. Or when they do the big party, in the Balboa Park where everybody eats a hot dog and they have a huge screen showing the highlights of the kids and giving out the awards and all that stuff. It's priceless. You know, they're not doing that in Riverside. And they can. Okay. I'll, say, I'll talk about this. They can, every community can be that involved. What do you feel and why do you think that this community is so passionate and driven and it means so much to continue that legacy again? Mm, I guess my perspective is there's a lot of inland communities and does it make a difference if you live in Orange or Anaheim and is that is there something dynamic about Anaheim or Orange or Yorba Linda or I mean they're nice communities no discount but like there's a lot of people who are driven to live down here because of the draw of the ocean that seems to have like almost an addiction to some people. Mm -hmm. They got to be around it. You know, <laughs> you never see, you never hear the guy who sells his widget company and say, yeah, I'm finally going to go buy that house in Riverside. No, <laughs> they're like, I'm going to go finally buy a house at the beach. And it's just like a poltergeist pulling us that direction of like, I'm going to get there. So it feels like there's just more passion to this, what we have, this you know, Balboa Island, my goodness sakes, you, we take it for granted. Go try to find Balboa Island anywhere. It's this little bubble of what the heck built in like 1920 with all these cottages. You can walk around the Island. You can, uh, it's just mesmerizing. It's so great that people who live down here came here. I mean, they pay a lot of money to live in a small house for a reason. So that that's why it feels like people want to at least I know want to keep it going is because they came here for a reason and they, they hope to pass on. We all want to teach our kids what we loved. Right. I mean, uh, I, I want all my kids to love the stuff that I love. Maybe they don't always, but a lot, a lot of times they're pretty connected to the world that we've brought them up in. My 24 year old of all things, she five years ago moved to Uganda and opened, had a foundation in Uganda like the sidebar to the whole thing. Yeah, my daughter did some amazing work in Uganda. She has taken a whole bunch of kids who are living on the streets and has brought them into housing. And the younger ones, she'll get back into a, uh, a boarding school situation. And the little bit older ones, uh, she'll get them into like a trade school. Because 
when a kid's about six or seven, they're not being adopted in an orphanage. People go to adopt babies. So a lot of time, these young boys will just leave the orphanages and they'll be living on the streets. She went over there on another event and saw the need and just created her own foundation called Streets to Success. So we love that. It has nothing to do with Newport or anything like that. It's just part of why I'm proud of that child. And I'm proud of all my kids, but I'm, that's, it's cool that she did that. You definitely set the example. That's for sure. And I'm sure she's given you at least some, you don't have to give you major props. Or, she has but, an amazing mother. Yeah. My wife's an amazing <laughs> person. Yeah. So. Well, thank you, Chris. Chris, what else would you like to share with uh, the audience today? Your, the, uh, my the, only two cents is you need to just keep doing this. Just keep interviewing people who talk about how great our community is. And the more we talk about it, the more it resonates and the more maybe people will think about what they can do to be involved with keeping this environment as close to this way as it can be. Jumping on um, some civic boards or trying to be involved in the local community. If there's some architectural boards that are going on, maybe, maybe consider like creating a historical guidelines community. Let's uh, I'm, I'm also been in the development business for a long, long, long time. I've built a whole bunch of homes over my career. I'm kind of cautious when I say, but I, I would hate the idea that all these great old cottages are going to get torn down and built to be big, gigantic homes. So hopefully we can find people who maybe if they don't even create a historical society board, they um, buy a great old cottage and maintain it in that um, condition and keep the character of the islands along with the peninsula, along with Lido, along with all these local areas that have this great nostalgic beach feel. You know, here's a fun thing back in the, when my great grandmother bought the house on Le on Balboa Peninsula on the oceanfront, she could have bought a bayfront on Lido Island for the same price. And the kicker was they would have given you an inside lot for free. That's what it was like back then. But uh, nobody was living on Lido back then because boating wasn't even really a thing, right? No one, not, there wasn't all these private boats. So if you were going to buy a house, she called it the mud flat. I'm going to live on the old mud flat. You know, it hadn't really dredged the bay. A lot of the bay you could walk across because it hadn't been dredged. My mom used to walk across and put her feet in and get sucker clams and fill her bucket. Yeah, that's what it used to be. You had to dredge a lot of the bay. Some of the bay was deep enough, but a lot of it needed to be dredged. Um, so everybody who bought hosts, houses from the beginning mostly bought them on the beach because no one even really thought about bayfront living. It wasn't quite the thing as oceanfront living was. Wow. Yeah. Chris, it's been a real honor and pleasure having you on the show today. I want to have you back pretty soon. Yeah, it was fun times. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much for doing this. Thank you. Really. Good time. Thank, Thank you. you. I'll Thank shake you, your hand. Thank, Thank you, buddy. <laughs> I'll shake your hand. Uh, Thank have you. Have a good day. We, we've been, uh, you've been listening to the Living the Dream Bubble Island podcast. I'm yours truly, Tom Diorro. Our guest today has been Chris Rigondi, owner and founder of Arbor Real Estate Professionals. For more information, you can visit their website at arborrealestate.com. Again, arborrealestate.com. Our show has uh, definitely been a blast, and I also want to acknowledge our chief audio engineer, Eris Chikoplish. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.